Psalm 131 says, O Lord, my heart is not lifted up, my eyes are not raised too high, I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me, but I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word, and, it, and, and we thank you for the, um, the, the promise in here that we can quiet our soul, um, that we can hope in you, and we know this is only because of your grace and your kindness to us. So we pray that you would teach us this morning, um, and, that you would, and, and that you would give us the faith to believe what your word has to say and to live accordingly. We thank you for all these things in Christ's name. Amen. So there is, um, there is a difference, a, a fairly significant difference, between a five-week-old baby and a five-year-old child. Um, so the, if the five-week-old baby is hungry... Um, they're probably going to cry and cry and cry and cry. They're probably going to cry as if their world is coming to an end until they get fed. Um, They're going to cry and cry and cry. If their mom says to them, "Um, listen, baby, uh, uh, it is right now 11.35 a.m. I plan to feed you at noon. You need to wait 25 minutes. The baby doesn't say, oh, that's cool. No biggie, I'll see you at noon. The baby does not do that. The, the baby just freaks out all the more, right? They cry as if their world is ending because as far as they know, it is ending. Um, they are not thinking, okay, well, for the last five weeks, I've found my mom to be fairly trustworthy. I will just wait until she feeds me at the appropriate time. No. No, they're going to panic and they're going to cry. Theoretically, according to David, and usually true, um, the five-year-old child is different. He has, he has in mind here the weaned child sitting with its mother, and the, 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 the child says to the mother, I'm hungry. The mom says, we'll, we'll have lunch at noon. Well, that's actually, that's, 25 minutes. We'll have lunch in 25 minutes. That child still probably has no idea what 25 minutes truly is. They don't know when noon really is. Uh, but they can kind of go back to doing whatever it is they were doing. They may ask again in 10 minutes, but they, um, uh, just to make sure they get their lunch order in and she doesn't forget it. Um, but they, they have this sort of trust that, yeah, Mom's hardly ever failed to give me lunch. I, I think she'll probably give me lunch. It'll be fine. They, just, they sort of have a more of a calm attitude than the five-week-old baby does. They're not, they're not going to panic. They're not going to freak out. They're going to go back to doing whatever it was they were doing. And they have a, a general basic trust that their mom is going to come through with lunch at an appropriate time. 
David is writing this psalm, and he says, that's what my soul is like. In, inside of me, inside my mind, inside my heart, there's, there's quiet in me, there's calm in me, there's contentment in me. Inside, if you, could, if you could look inside and just kind of hear my thoughts and hear what my heart is doing, you, you wouldn't hear a lot of panic. I'm not panicking. I'm not freaking out. I'm not worried. I'm not self-conscious. I'm, I'm quiet. On the inside, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm calm. I'm content. I, I basically, generally, assume... God knows what He's doing. He'll take care of me. It's fine. It's going to be fine. I think all of us in this room can say, we, we want that inside of us. We want a soul that is quiet. We want to be able to say, I'm not freaking out. I'm, I'm not worried. I'm not panicky. I'm not obsessed. I'm not, I'm not self-conscious. I'm not, I'm not a, a fearful. I'm, I'm okay. I'm calm. On the inside, I am... I'm calm. This psalm helps us. This psalm gives us three essentials for a quiet soul. Three essentials for a quiet soul. So you, you kids who are stuck in here today because there's no children's church. I've, I've taken children's church away from you and I have stuck you with me this morning. Those of you who are feeling that resentment, I just want to point out an essential. When I say the word essential... What I mean is something that's needed. You need this thing. You need this thing. It's like, it's like fruit snacks, only more. All right? You need this thing. An essential is something you need. So as I'm, as I'm talking about how do we quiet our soul, there's, there's three essentials from this psalm. All right? Number one, first essential your hope must be in the Lord. Your hope must be in the Lord. This psalm starts out, Oh Lord! It's a, it starts out as a, the first couple of verses are a prayer to God. He's, he's praying and, and he is depending upon God. He is turning to God and he, is, and he is completely dependent upon God. And then the end of the psalm, when he's no longer talking to God, but he's talking to his people, he's telling them, Oh Israel, hope in the Lord. And so David is depending upon the Lord and he is calling other people to depend upon the Lord. What we see right away in this psalm is that, is that you cannot have a quiet soul without the Lord. We're going to have a couple more essentials after this one. This is the first of three essentials. The other two essentials will not help you at all if you don't have this one. You, you cannot have a quiet soul. You cannot shush the, the, the worry and panic and self-consciousness and dissatisfaction in your soul without the Lord. You cannot do it. Because of the way that we are wired from creation. We are created to know God and to love Him and to worship Him and to trust Him. So part of the, part of the way we were designed is this, this basic fundamental... Um, and this is before the fall. This is not a sin thing. This is just a human creature thing. We were created to trust God. We were created to not know everything and to trust the One who does know everything. We, that, that, was the, that was the relationship from the beginning. 
And so, and so this is why, this is the fundamental reason why human beings don't have peace within themselves. We cannot have peace within ourselves if we are at war with God. We, we have to be at peace with God before we can actually be at peace in ourselves. I mean, there's all kinds of things we can do to kind of self-medicate when we feel that, that lack of peace. And so there's all kinds of ways that humans can kind of distract themselves from the fact that they're not at peace, but they can't do anything actually about it, anything fundamentally helpful about it, unless they have peace with God. And so if we're going to have peace with God, we need the actual war between us and God to be over. We are born as God's enemies. I jokingly said that my children were, were punks even before they were born. But that's what Satan, or Satan, wow. That's what David says too. I am so sorry, David. I just called you Satan. Um, I doubt David is listening to the sermon. But if he is, or if someone sends him the recording later, um, that's my bad. Anyhow, David. David says the same thing in the Psalms. He's been, he's been, he, he says in, in sin, my mother conceived me. I've, I've, been, I've been a sinner since before I was born. This is how it is for all of us. We are, and we are, so we are born into condemnation. We, are, we, are, we, we have a, a, a sinful nature from the beginning. And so because of that, we are at war with God. Whether we realize it or not, we are at war with God. And we need that war to be over. And so Jesus Christ, this, the story of Jesus, is, is this. It's, it's because He is God and He is man. He is the only one who can take us from being the the bitter enemies of God, to being in the joyful family of God. Jesus is the only one who can do this. He's the only one who can deal with our sin, who can take our sin away. This is the Gospel. If anybody ever asks you, hey, what's the Gospel? Here it is. Here it is. Jesus Christ lived a perfect life and then He died in our place so that we can be forgiven of our sins, so that we, we can be reconciled to God, which means we can be, we can, we can be at peace with God. God, God will put down His weapons. God will, God will put down His weapons that He has aimed at us right now. He will put those down and we will be at peace with Him. Jesus died on the cross so God would go from being against us to being for us. This is the good news of the Gospel. Please believe this. You cannot have a quiet soul, unless God has done this work of grace in your life. You cannot shush the worry and panic and self-consciousness and dissatisfaction in your soul if you are still God's enemy. So repent of your sin and believe the Gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the first essential. The other two don't matter, so we have to have that one. You have to have that essential. Number two, second essential... You must tell your heart to be quiet. Number two, you must tell your heart to be quiet. David is, that's what David is doing. In verses one and two, he's saying, he's saying, Lord, here's what I've done. He's saying, Lord, you know my heart. Here's, here's what I've done. My heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. 
I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me, but I have calmed and quieted my soul. I have calmed and quieted my soul. I have told my soul to be quiet. Some, so, so here's the thing, and I, I talk about this a lot, but that's because you, are, you, you, hear, you hear stupid stuff six days a week. And you only get to hear brilliance. No, you only get to hear... No, not, that has nothing to do with me. You only get to hear the Word of God. One, I only get one shot at you a week. And so I'm going to say it again, because you hear the opposite everywhere. You, here's what you have to do. You have to talk to your heart. You cannot trust your heart. The stuff that just comes up from within your heart and in your mind, you have to speak the truth to your own heart. Everyone else out there everywhere, the, 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 the general philosophy everywhere else that you're going to hear Monday through Saturday is that you have to trust your heart and if it comes from within you, then it's right and you have to kind of follow whatever that is and you have to be true to yourself. And that's ridiculous. That's, that's, that's antithetical to the Bible. It's the opposite of what the Bible teaches. You have to talk to your heart. Because a lot of what comes up from in there is garbage. It's untrue. You have to tell your heart, no, that's, that's, nope, 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 no. No. So this is what David is doing. And he, and he gives us the reason why he has to. Because he says, he, he says, I, I, I will not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. So that's the temptation. That is the particular temptation in this psalm that I want us to think about. Because here's, here's what happens. We are all tempted to occupy ourselves with things that are too great and too wonderful for us. Which means we want what only belongs to the Lord. The too great stuff and the too wonderful stuff that's stuff that only belongs to the Lord. That's, that's really, I think it can be narrowed down to two different types of things. It can be either information that only He has, or it can be power and authority that only He has. So we want what only belongs to the Lord. There are so many times, and I thought through it again this week, and I was just like, yep, that's true. This is, this is an issue for me. Um, so many times, if I am panicky, if I am anxious, if I am self-conscious, if I am worried, if I am dissatisfied, it's probably because I want what only belongs to the Lord. I want to be God. I am occupying myself with things that are too wonderful for me. There are things that are infinitely above my pay grade. For, for instance, let me give you a few examples from my life. This will be fun. This is always fun. All right? Uh, give you a little insight into the inner workings so that you are just a little bit more worried about me. All right? So let's just, let's just do that. It's always fun. And so I'm going to talk about this for a minute. But what I want you to do is not only say, wow, Steve's got a ways to go. I, I don't, not just that, but I want you to think, do you have any overlap in your own life, in your own heart? So there's, there's three ways I was thinking about this this week and three ways that I want what's too, too great and too wonderful for me. There are three ways where I want what only belongs to the Lord. First way is the most embarrassing. We're going to get that out of the way first. All right? First way is I want the... Um, as I, want, I want people like... Um, like I, I want like Dale Miller. So I want him to, to like me. 
I want him to respect me. I was thinking about that, but I was like, you know what? He, he's, re- he's really smart. He knows the word of God. He knows what a pastor should be. So I, I would like, but I was like, I know, he's, he's too nice. I want someone, I want, I want Craig to like me. I want someone who, you know, doesn't like everybody, you know? No. Uh, and then I was thinking, actually, you know what? No, I want everybody. I want the church to think, I'm, I want a good, I want job approval rating. I want to I I be, be well thought of. I want to be respect. I want to be. I want to be respected. Right. I think this is pretty much who we all are in one way or other. We we want to be. We want to be respected. We want to be well thought of. So it's fascinating, though. Is I can, by God's grace more and more and more try to live a respectable life. I can try to live a a faithful life. But I cannot make you respect me. That That is a switch that I cannot flip. I cannot get you to like me. I can't. You can't get anyone to like you. There's a, that you are wandering into territory that doesn't belong to you. You can live a respectable life, but you can't get people to respect you. So you are responsible. I am responsible for the way that I live. But there are going to be, there are going to be many times where we are misunderstood. There are going to be many times where we, um, where, where, where people get the wrong end of the stick, there's miscommunication, where there's, where there's human fail, there's, there's a lot of human failing going on in this world. There are things that we cannot control. And so if I obsess, if I obsess over what people think of me, that's ne- it's never going to end well. I absolutely should try to be respect, respectable but I, I cannot make people respect me. Another one that's, that's been bothering me, another one that's bothering me is I cannot take away your chronic illness or your chronic pain. I can't do it. I cannot do it. Now, I can, by God's grace, show kindness to you. I can help bear your burdens. I can pray for you. I can try to, I can try to tell you true scriptural things in, in, in hopes of encouraging you, in, in hopes of, of helping you continue, continuing on and, and living out another good week, uh, honoring God in your affliction. I can, I can try to come alongside you and help you honor God in your affliction with joy. I can, I can try to do that. But I can't take away your chronic illness or your chronic pain. And here's the other thing. I can't even tell you why you are suffering and the person seven feet away from you is not. I don't know. I don't know. Are you way more of a sinner than they are? Have you lived such a, such a terrible life that you sort of brought this on yourself? Maybe. A lot of times, there's no evidence of that. You're not any worse than the person seven feet away from you who just who've never even had to use a Band-Aid. He's not. Who knows? Well, God does. But there is stuff that's above my... 
pay grade. There's stuff that's too great and too wonderful for me. Probably the one, probably the one that's nearest and dearest to all of our hearts is, is we, have, we have people that we, we desperately want to see love and follow Jesus. We want to see that new work of God in their life. We want them to hate their sin, to believe the gospel, um, and to follow Jesus for the rest of their life. We want to see them hate their sin and love His Word. We want to see them be lifelong disciples. We can't make that happen. We can be faithful. We can pray. We can pray hard. Pray hard. We can, we can encourage. We can speak the truth. We can, I mean, we can do those kinds of things. And we should do those kinds of things. We should be faithful to pray and to, and to teach and to warn and to encourage and to, and to show and to talk about how much we love Jesus and how, and, and, and how good He is to us. We should be just gospel-loving, gospel-declaring people. Absolutely. But there are, there are switches that we cannot flip. There are switches that we cannot flip. There is, there, is, there is work that only belongs to God. There is knowledge that only belongs to God. There is authority and power that be- only belongs to God. And so I say all of that. I point all of that out to, to, to just kind of um, remind all of us that some of the very best stuff, the, our biggest desires, the things we want most are things that only God can give. They're things that only God can do. David is saying in this psalm, I am going to shush my own heart. I am, I am, when, when, when I start to get panicky and anxious about things that are beyond my pay grade, they are above me, they are too great and too wonderful for me, I am going to calm down my heart. I'm going to say that doesn't belong to you. You d- Worrying about that, obsessing over that, will do you no good. David is saying in this psalm, I will not be preoccupied. I will not occupy myself with things that are too wonderful for me. I've told my heart to be quiet. Then number three, so you, you, your, your hope must be in the Lord. And then number two, um, you, you must tell your heart to be quiet. And then number three, you must pursue faithfulness. You must pursue faithfulness. What does David say in verse three? O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. So what is, what is David doing here? He's, he's doing his job, Right? That's what, that's what David is doing in verse 3. And so, and so trusting in the Lord, we have to see this and we have to see it clearly, alright? Because if we, we can get, I mean, we can, get, we can mishandle this. We can, we can get the wrong idea. And so trusting in the Lord and just kind of trusting Him with the things that we cannot control, we cannot manufacture, trusting Him does not mean we do nothing. It doesn't mean apathy. It doesn't mean laziness. It doesn't, that's not what it means. Trusting the Lord goes hand in hand with faithfulness. David is being faithful to the responsibility, to the role that God has given him. God has given David a very specific role, and he is being faithful in it. He is calling on his people to hope in the Lord. 
And so what we have to see is that there's this direct connection between trusting God with things that are too wonderful for us and being faithful in the work that He has given us to do. I will tell you again, I'm going to tell you how this kind of works out in my own life. Alright, so if I start to, for instance, if I start to obsess over what people think of me, and I know I'm not the only person in the room who does this, you may pretend like you don't do it, you do it. When we start to obsess over what people think of us, we, it, it, it makes being faithful very difficult makes being faithful very difficult. If I'm mostly concerned about what you think of me, perhaps I won't speak the truth when I need to. Perhaps I'll tear someone else down. Perhaps I'll tell a little white lie here or there. Maybe, I'll, maybe I will... Um, and the other thing, this is, the, this is one that um, I thought of after I wrote the sermon, and I, I said, no, that's a little too convicting. I think I'm going to leave it out. Um, but now I'm going to say it. Um, what, I, what I'm in danger of doing, what I'm tempted to do, is to just kind of do the pastor stuff that you think should be done. Uh, pursue the public stuff. Make sure I've got a good sermon. Make sure I kind of show up to things and I look like I care. This is where pastors can get derailed. Because uh, to be a faithful pastor means to be faithful in prayer, which no one knows about. It's to be faithful in personal holiness. No one knows about that. So if I obsess over what you think of me, I'm in danger of going off the rails. It, it, it matters that I'm faithful to the Lord. That I'm faithful in the, in, in the sight of God. And so if, we're, if, 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 if I'm going to kind of have this big thing that's in my heart, this big obsession that's in my heart of, of what people think of me, it's going to make faithfulness very difficult. Same thing happens with our children, doesn't it? It is good to want your children to love Jesus. That is good. And, and I was talking with a guy the other day, and, and he said, I, I, he goes, you know, and, and he's a little older than me, but, and neither one of us are ready to write a parenting book, you know? Like, I, I have no idea. Um, I mean, I, I, we have, we have one, we have, I have one girl about to leave the house, and I'm thankful for what God's done in her life, um, but I don't have a manual for why she turned out well. Um, I don't, I don't know. I think I could tell you a lot of things not to do, and then pray hard. That's what I can tell you. Um, and that's what he said. He said, yeah, this has been good for my prayer life. Children are great for your prayer life. Grandchildren are great for your prayer life. We pray hard. We weep, we pray hard, we weep. There are, you know, I, I, I pray way more as a, as a father and as a pastor than I did before I had those roles. People come to my mind, my loved ones come to my mind, um, your faces come to my mind, and then, and then I will tell you something. If you're, if you're just like, if you're just like this, you know, old church member at First Baptist Church, and you're faithful, and you're awesome, I pray for you for about seven seconds, and then I start praying for your children and your grandchildren. I just pray God save them. So I will tell you, I probably pray for your children and grandchildren more than I pray for you. 
is that I know you've got, you've, got, you've got children and grandchildren that don't know Jesus, don't love Jesus, and you're weeping over them. I'm joining you in that. But here's the thing that can happen. If we obsess over something that we cannot manufacture, I've seen it go bad two ways. One is, is we, we get so afraid of losing our children, losing a relationship with them, that we never speak the truth to them. We never correct them when they sin. We get so afraid of losing them that we never, we never say what needs to be said. And then the other way I've seen it go wrong is when we try to think we can manufacture a love for the gospel. We can, we can, we can bully them. We can manipulate them into loving Jesus. We're going to get it done. I've seen it go bad both ways. So I'm just warning you. I'm warning myself. Let's, let's be faithful. Let's pray hard. Let's speak the truth. Let's, let's correct when we need to correct. Let's encourage when we need to encourage. But let's leave what belongs to only God. Let's leave it to God. Because if we obsess over it, we'll go off the rails fast. My, my biggest worries and anxieties and unsettledness in my soul comes when I'm trying to I'm trying to know things and accomplish things that are too great, too wonderful for me. So if that's, if that's our story, we're going to struggle. Maybe, maybe we'll struggle with, with laziness and apathy, or maybe we'll struggle with manipulation and bullying, or maybe we'll, maybe we'll jump from one opportunity to another to, to feel more fulfilled, or maybe we'll, maybe we'll get involved with pragmatism or looseness with the Word of God. And then not to mention the, the inner turmoil, all the worry and panic and envy and fear. When you feel some of this rise up within you, when you notice that you're struggling just to, you're struggling to, to live faithfully in the life God has given you, and you're also struggling to, to have calm and contentment in your heart, I encourage you, this psalm, this psalm shows you, do some soul searching. Ask yourself, what is it I want? It's very possible that what we want is, is, is what belongs to God alone. We're going um, we're gonna, to we're gonna share in the Lord's Supper together in a few minutes. Um, as we do, um, there's, many things, there's many things to be thankful for, right? There's, there's many things as we, as we sit for a minute and we remember the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We remember that Jesus' body was broken for us. We remember that his blood is spilled for us. As we remember those things, there's lots of things to remember about that, lots of things to be thankful for. I want you to remember... Um, among everything else you're thinking of, I want you to remember Romans 8, where it says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? When we are quieting our soul, a wonderful way to quiet our soul is to remember that, that, that God did not spare His Son. When He brought us into, the, into His family, God did not even spare His Son. He will not hold back. He will not hold back anything good for, from us. He, he, we can't always know everything that's happening in His mind. We can't always know what He's up to and why He's doing what He's doing. We can't always know that. 
But we can always know He is good and He is wise. And we have proof of that in the Gospel of His Son. So we can tell our hearts, tell our souls to be quiet. Let's, let's pray together. God, we thank You for this passage, um, these three short verses, and they are, uh, they are packed with importance for us here thousands of years later. Um, I pray that you would help us, God, when we are feeling inner turmoil, when we're having a hard time going to sleep, when we're, when we're having a hard time not obsessing over things that we can't, we can't really do anything about. I pray, God, that you would help us to trust you, to know you are always good, you are always wise, that you're going to take care of things the way that you see, that the way that you see fit, and we can trust you. You are good. You are wise. We see that in the gospel of your Son. And then help us just to live faithfully, to, to commit ourselves to... We can't make people think we're respectable, but we, we can live respectable lives. We can live quiet, dignified, honorable lives. We, we, we can live faithful lives by your grace. So I pray, God, that you would help us to do that. Help us to do that and help us to um, trust you and, and help us to quiet our souls. We thank you for your great love for us. We thank you that you are always trustworthy. In Jesus' name, amen.